This is a conversation with Shireen Ahmed. She is a former host of the Love and Daily Show at Love in Dubai and former editor in chief at Local Bahrain. In this episode, she shares some really powerful stories from her childhood and her journey of healing from that childhood trauma. In addition, we discussed writing, poetry, growing up in Bahrain, and her time as the host of the Love and Daily Show. This is no time. If you like what you see, then do hit subscribe on YouTube. It's just one click for man, a giant click for anywhere. You can also follow this channel on Spotify or rate five stars on Apple Podcasts. This project continues to take a lot of my time, money, and effort. So if you like to see it continue, then do consider supporting me on Patreon, or you can donate a robot that does all the menial tasks. For other forms of love and support, you can always follow this channel on Instagram or Twitter and TikTok, or you can follow me personally, not on TikTok. And now, it's no time. So for your episode, I've decided to start every segment with a verse from a poem that I think is relevant. Ah! <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm cringing already. Why you don't like poems? I, I you... love poems, but not mine, which were written from like a few uh, oh, years this, back. But then this again, is not yours. you know. Oh. oh, just a verse from a poem that I a think. Poem. Of, yeah. Okay, thank God. Yeah. So this one, well, that's what I'm going to tell you, right? And then boom, this is the poem by Shreen. No. So this is a poem about nostalgia about childhood. And it's called I Remember, I Remember by okay. Thomas Hill. Okay. And the verse is, I remember, I remember the fir trees dark and high. I used to think their slender tops were close against the sky. It was a childish ignorance, but now it's a little joy to know I'm further from heaven than when I was a boy. Wow. So let's talk about your childhood now. Okay, nice one. So you grew up. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I'll leave the applause later. <laughs> that was a creative way to introduce it. I have to give you the applaud for that. I'm going to cut this so they can't <laughs> see me blush, right? Um, so let's talk about your childhood in Bahrain. You spent it partly in Bahrain, partly in Philippines, right? Yeah, yeah. I would say that, I, yeah, actually partly Bahrain, partly in Philippines. So if I had to ask you to describe what growing up in Bahrain in the 90s is like, what are some elements that get you nostalgic? About? I wouldn't be able to tell you what I recall from the 90s. Um, probably late 2000s I would say because bits and like parts of my childhood I remember in glimpses right I don't have really as strong a memory as I I'd love to have but um yeah so from what I could remember I lived a good chunk of my childhood in the Philippines until my father went back and um, decided to bring my mother and I back to Bahrain so long story why we were in back in Philippines in the first place I think we left that day when I was like four years old. And then he brought us back to Bahrain at like when I was seven going on eight years old. Yeah, we'll get to that. But uh, yeah. so what are some elements that get you elements that get you nostalgic about Bahrain? Like the Mirinda Citrus maybe? or oh, So many <laughs> things. Like we like we discussed this earlier, Jasmine's. And then yeah. upon seeing this, I was like, okay, this really caught my eye. I have to mention it to them, even though it's probably... Just your casual, your casual design piece. Yeah. <laughs> but I noticed it because it's such a, it's such a, one of the key elements in my life. If I have to go to Manama, to Bab al-Bahrain, which is like the main souk in um, the capital city, Alu Bashir is my first stop. Haji's is probably, actually Haji's is my first stop. It's this, it's this restaurant that's been around since the 50s. Um, and they serve traditional Bahraini breakfast. So, you know, eggs and tomato, karak, the whole shebang. Um, and then they also have kind of the rice dishes that we love. So much boost chicken and all of that. And then, so I'll go there first and then I'll end it with an alu bashir. Maybe an ice cream afterwards. 
anywhere around the area, probably a bakala or a barada, as we call it in Bahrain. Oh, nice. Yeah. Beyond restaurants, is there like a one spot that every person should visit in their life? In tree Bahrain? of life. Tree of life. Tree yeah. of life. It's so I maybe I've romanticized the idea of tree of life in my head. I mean, it's this tree that's been around for apparently 400 plus years now and just stands in the middle of the desert with absolutely no source of water. But I mean, I, that's, I don't think that's really any special when you live in the UAE since there's a whole oasis in parts of this country. But still, to us Bahrainis, we've made it a very... A very special thing. We've added kind of a magic to 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 its whole, you know, being. Um, I remember being young and actually writing down my wishes in a piece of paper with my mom and digging it under the sand that surrounds the tree. Um, the wishes have not come true yet, oh. but um, it's lovely. I mean, it's still a cute, you know, cute thing. Tie like a lock around it or something. Yeah, know? I did yeah. not do that. I did no. not do that. I was Maybe like that's the Paris what you're love lock. I, yeah, I did someone up. tell you why she's digging? They actually have to like imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I acted so secretive about it. I was like, oh my god, yeah. no one should see this. Like, what if they see the secret? I mean, the the wish and it doesn't come true. It's like handwritten. Yeah. Imagine like hundred years later, someone's gonna excavate that spot and they're gonna find like your handwriting. They're gonna see how shallow my wish was and I probably why it didn't come true. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm a millionaire. You know, type <laughs> shit. Is there a difference between like the Bahraini Arabic accent and the Emirati accent? Big time. Like, what is big it? time? I, you know what? Since my <laughs> Arabic is not perfect, unfortunately, yeah. I can't say for sure what it is. Other than the way that we pronounce things, they're just a little bit more extra. It's a little bit more. It sounds aggressive if you're kind of not a, a native Arabic speaker. But what I've come to find is that wherever I go in the in the Khalij, whether I visit Saudi Arabia or the UAE. It's interesting how the fellow GCC peeps like react to Bahraini accents. They seem to love it. I don't know if they love it because it's just hella funny to them and like we're, you know, like I don't I don't know or or is it that they find it cute? They say it's cute, but I feel like it's cute in a funny way. You know what I mean? Like ha ha ha, like we're just so aggressive and like it just sounds so different. That was the Bahraini accent? What? The way you just ah. No, no, that was oh. not it. Let's hear it. You've hyped it up so much. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I'm really the the worst person to oh. exemplify the Bahraini accent. But what can I say? Hmm, what can I say? Like, okay. I don't know. Give me a sentence that's to say if I can say it. In Arabic? In Bahraini. Oh, you yeah, guys are going to say something special today. And uh, that's... A, uh, in... Uh, I mean, okay, I like food. Is that you? That was so you. That oh, was so you. Definitely me. I like food. That's the only sentence I can think of. Um, I don't even know if I'm saying that properly. Like, I'm so sorry to anybody. Like, okay. We'll say like, you know, we have like a few little phrases here and what there. What does that mean? Like, that's how are you? Oh, how what? Are you? Oh, really? Yeah. Shlonek. Uh, Here is like kifak, right? Yeah. And like in other parts Lebanese, as well. Lebanese, yeah. Lebanese, yeah. yeah. Oh, fascinating. So, that's the thing. Okay. My, maybe YouTube it and you'll see for yourself. Because there are different dialects within the Bahraini Thanks, accent yeah. as well. Any question? Ah, just YouTube it. Ah, Google it. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> I'm done. Bye. <laughs> Imagine. Why don't you just Google it? <laughs> okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a quick uh, tell me what you think round. Oh my God. You've okay. spent so many years playing this game with other people. Literally. Yeah. Let's see how you feel now. So it's a quick it's a quick round. Uh, tell me what you think. Team Jasmine's or Team McDonald's? Jasmine is always. Why? Local. Why not? It's nostalgic and it's kind of like McDonald's in a sense, but I mean, it just brings back better memories because it reminds memories, me of not home. the food. Both are junk. Is it? I mean, <laughs> you could say, but you could not Ouch. say. Yes. 
Oh my god, it feels weird being on this end of this. Now I know exactly how yeah, the guest felt. It's special to me, right? <laughs> oh my god. Okay, next one. Tree of Life or Derasuk? Oh no. Tree oh, of no. Life. I have to. I mean, I love Derasuk. I love Derasuk so much. But uh, Tree they've, of Life. They've already switched off by now. They're like, fuck it. Oh, <laughs> damn. She doesn't like Derasuk. That's yeah. crazy. Okay, next. Um, Tikka in Manama or Shawarma in Dubai? Oh my God, you've done your research. There are a lot of interns that work on the show, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, unpaid. I love that. Yeah, oh, unpaid. better. Yeah, Exploitation. Yeah, why? Live for it. Yeah, why would I? Tikka yeah. any day. Yeah. Tikka any day. Tikka any day, huh? Always. These are not tough questions, it looks like. Huh? You just... No, no, it's chill. Let's try to give you a tough question. Oh, no. Which is the best romantic comedy movie of all time? Oh. Options. Sleepless in Seattle. Notting Hill. Pretty Woman. How dare you do that? Those are all my favorites. Oh, Those really? are all my favorites. That intern's getting a raise today. <laughs> Pretty woman, though. Pretty woman. Why? Oddly enough. I don't know. There's something about Julia Roberts. I mean, she was great in Notting Hill, too, but it, it was an amazing performance in Pretty Woman, and I really like the music choices and her chemistry with Richard Gere and the fact that it's a an odd story it's not your typical fairy tale story is it it's more yeah. i mean at least it tells a different tale it's not just a, a heroine and like you know a nice innocent gal that's like just one-sided and then the guy that you know what i mean yeah. but i mean it's become more mainstream now obviously the story of the rich guy and the... i actually thought this round would be not tough so questions though. but i think you've aced it have you got the experience Thanks. of the tell me what you think <laughs> since you invented it okay so while we're on the topic of Bahrain, do you think Growing up in a very small island where everyone knows everyone, everyone's a bit more laid back. Does that give you like a stronger sense of community, like you belong? Because sometimes I feel growing up in a big city can be quite isolating. Um, for me personally, yes. Okay, for sure. It does give you a sense of community. But I I can't say for sure that I relate to it on a personal level. I know that it it, it works that way for other people, but not necessarily for me. I know that I've always had a great community in Bahrain, but... I see it this way. I see it as living in your hometown or growing up in your hometown is just a little bit too comfortable for me. And I, I don't know how I feel about comfort in that sense. I like to be challenged. And when I live elsewhere, there's there's a bit of a there's more of a push for me to get things done as opposed to if I'm back home. So, yes, there is a community, but I still did kind of feel isolated within that community. I feel more in touch with a community that's not my own sometimes. And I don't know why, actually. I don't know why. Maybe it could be because of the the biracial thing, maybe. Because even in the Philippines, I had never really felt like I fully, fully belonged, you know? So, like, you never feel like you're too Filipino when you're in the Philippines, and you never feel like you're Bahraini enough for Bahrain. And then there's also the thing where my, my actual Bahraini family is all, also has Persian roots, so they'll sometimes speak in Farsi at home at my grandma's place. And I still also can't relate because I also don't understand or speak that language. So I'm like, what do I identify with? And I've just realized that I ad- identify with the world. Fuck it. That was actually my next question where you are half Bahraini, half Filipino. And I wanted to ask you whether it can work two ways. Like the Bahrain thing is that uh, you can either find it liberating that you can get along with anyone in the world. You're a citizen of the world. Or um, you don't belong with any one group and that can get a bit tough. And it feels like it's a mix of both. It's a mix of both. Yeah. In a good way. I wouldn't have it any other way, I'll say. I really wouldn't have it any other way. Because I can't imagine just being Bahraini now or just being Filipino. It's so great to me that they're two complete extremes in terms of religion 
culture, ideals, you know, all of that. But I get to live both. And so it gives me more of a wider perspective and a range of experiences in my lifetime. I fucking, I fucking love that. Mm, that's yeah. good to know because I'm mixed as well. What's your mix, love? I'm half Indian, half stupid. <laughs> I should edit that in post, right? <laughs> nice one. Yeah, yeah that's your teaser trailer right there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Do it later. Yeah. I love that for you. I mean, <laughs> yeah, how is, what's it like? Stupid, that was me, really. <laughs> what's it like? Oh, yeah. What a liberating experience, I must say, being stupid. <laughs> okay, so you are half Bahraini because uh, your father's from Bahrain and half Filipino because your mother's from Philippines, yeah. right? So let's talk about your mother first. She's been a very strong uh, role model in your life and a massive source of inspiration for you. So if I can just quickly ask you to summarize her story and what are some of her top qualities that you always look to emulate in life? Oh, wow. That's so nice because I could sit and talk about my mother for hours. It's a podcast. This um, is my mother's story. My mother left home when she was very young. Obviously, she didn't come from a very affluent family, but a respectable one. I think her grandfather was like, what did he do? He was a lawyer and he created the city in which we actually live. Um, he named the city in which we live in, in Philippines in Cavite. It's called Trece Martires City. Um, and I found a Google article about him that actually says that he was one of the very few politicians that everyone knew wasn't corrupt. So, you know, he didn't take any wealth with him. He lived and died a very honest man and just stuck mm -hmm. to his values and just helped the people around him. Um, and I feel like that's one of the very same values that my mother, like, obviously has. So, like I said, she left to Korea when she was 16 to work. Um, and then she, that led her to Bahrain. I think at 18, 19, she was in Bahrain. Met my dad, had me. They got married, had me. Um, she stayed with my dad's family for a bit of time. Um, and then, obviously, the range of affairs took place. So... She decided then to fuck off and take me along with her to the Philippines. Um, that's her in a nutshell, I would say. But my mom has raised me for most of my life. Um, and yeah, that I would say that one of her three top qualities that I really fucking admire is her strength, her persistence, and just how street smart she is fucking street smart she is could never be me honestly when i look back at all the gigs that she used to do when i was young and how she made it work oh and her optimism oh there's just so much there's literally just so much like you wouldn't think that someone if like some people would look at my story and be like oh my god traumatizing tears la 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 but then imagine the woman who had to go through these those things and raise me as well and like my mom has worse stories than i than i could ever tell you know i can't say it even in my lifetime i would probably have to wait I mean, honestly, realistically, much later on in life to be able to tell the stories of my mom, should she even want these stories out. But she sacrificed a lot. She's a very sacrificial person and she's generous. Um, I don't even know. There's just so much. She's yeah. literally my role model in terms of like the values that she holds. Every time you spoke about her in interviews, uh, she comes across as a woman of great strength and character. Yeah. And But she's had a very tough journey. Very. And you were there for one of her tough moments uh, when you were nine years old and she heard sirens in the background. She gave you a package, right? Uh, yeah, she thought she, she heard sirens because she was um, on um, certain drugs. So obviously, I think now, now that I know what that is and what that can do to someone's mind, I, I, I get it now. Because obviously, when I was eight, I was like, 
okay, my mom's telling me that she's hearing sirens. She was she was paranoid about something. And I know exactly what she was going through at the time with a certain family member of hers. I can't really say much about that. But um, she got paranoid. And I think with along with the whatever, she, with the drugs that she took with that, um, obviously that, I don't know, I don't, I don't have that resulted. But then she had asked me to flush her drugs down the toilet. And it was my first time actually seeing that. Um, what was the question? I always get so... Uh, no, it was just this story. This yeah. is a defining yeah. point. Defining then, that. Yeah. yeah, so I had to flush the drugs down the toilet and I was really confused by what had happened. Um, You've spoken in the past that this was the moment where the child in you died. Yeah. Um, I have some questions, but uh, just before that, for those who don't know, if you can just set the context. So where does your father fit into this? What is his situation and where is he at this point? Okay, at this point, like I said, he had taken my mom and I back to Bahrain from the Philippines because they had their own marital issues. I guess there was a series of affairs and he couldn't really, you know, keep true to the commitments that he had promised that he would keep. So um, my mom took me back to the Philippines and I think my grandfather from my dad's side's, I don't know, last dying wish was to bring us back. So then he did take us back. We lived with him for some time. Again, it didn't work out with the two of them. They did try to make it work again, though, but it didn't work out. And at this point was when my mom was like, screw it, fuck it, we're like, I'm doing this on my own. Um, sometimes with the help of my father, it was, it was always an in and out situation, but but it wasn't ever really consistent. So my dad at this point was probably running whatever businesses he had um, and we weren't really fully in contact with him like that. Like throughout my life from my childhood until now, I can only really remember at most, maybe in my childhood it was more frequent, but my relationship with him was mostly like, okay, like I'll get, I'll receive a phone call like every few months saying, hi, how are you, Baba? How's school going? Okay, cool. Up until I was actually done with university, it was still a house school because there really wasn't much else for him to ask i guess so very distant he is now in prison i think he's been sentenced to 15 years in prison for for selling um narcotics for being part of that whole thing every time i've heard you speak about your story it's it feels to me that uh, you have worked actively towards removing any kind of blame from anyone yeah and you've spoken about your favorite quote is by anne frank where she says that I keep my ideals because in spite of everything, I still believe people are good at heart. And it feels like you've, you're actually practicing that. Uh, for your father, you spoke in the past that what's a man going to do? Society clearly didn't give him any chance and he was repeatedly dealt a bad hand and you've tried to put yourself in this position to see what yeah. you could have done. And the same with your mother as well in the situation she was in. Both of them didn't have the same opportunities that I did now. And I think that's why I thank my mom for having given me the opportunities and you know, like all these options that we have now available to us with social media and for me for getting the education that I did, um, none of them none of them had that, you know what I mean? So I can't really blame them for, yeah. for any of that. I find that very powerful because you worked on identifying there's a lot of things that were not in your control right. and that's not your fault. Yeah. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to pick out the things that you can control, which, exactly. which I feel is your reaction to what happened and whether you're going to let that define your present and your future. Exactly. I'm saying the right things, I hope. Or is my half-stupid part this talking? No, 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 no. All good. I'm doubting that there's a half-stupid part at all. But uh, (laughs) yeah, no, for sure. (laughs) Definitely. Because like, I mean, I've talked about this in the past as well. It was like, 
it was always something that I, it was so normal to me, right? I normalized it all throughout my childhood growing up. I would make jokes about it with my friends, like, ha ha ha, like, I'm like the mafia's daughter, like, whatever, you know, like, I mean, it was, I guess, and now that I, I'm, I'm older, I've realized that that was my way of, it was my coping mechanism for sure, because I actually thought I did the work by doing that, but that wasn't doing the work. Me normalizing it to myself wasn't doing the work. And that's why it affected the later parts of my adulthood, right? Like the very moment that I realized that I needed to to reflect back into that and do the work to accept what had happened and, and get to the stage where I can accept it was because a lot of my relationships with men ended with me accepting different types of abuse, you know, whether verbal, emotional, with the cheating, whatever, at some point even physical light physical abuse like and then I was like why do I keep putting myself in these situations I know they're wrong you know I my my intuition tells me this is wrong about this person but why the fuck do I keep accepting it um and that's when I was like well I can't keep carrying this along with me because I couldn't get to I couldn't do the nine to five work at love in Dubai anymore you know it was so difficult and I blamed everything else and the job for it and then I that's that's when I had to take a step back because I'm like wait do I actually hate what I'm doing and where I'm at in life now. I now have a one-bedroom apartment. I have a car. I'm living in the city that I love. And I've always wanted to be this person. I've always wanted to be in media. How am I never happy whenever I, I'm in a position where I'm the most abundant on surface level? And then that's what, you know, don't like push me to finally get help for that. The first time you spoke about this was for the Rock You Ugly? Yes. That was the first time, right? That was the first time. Yeah. Okay, so let's say uh, I have a time travel machine here and we can go back in time. So let's go back in time to the exact moment where Walid Shah, whose project it was Rock You Ugly, he reached out to you and asked you to share your story. I reached out to him. Oh, you reached out to him? I reached oh, out amazing. to him because we had him on the Lovin show. Yeah. Um, we had him come over and talk about Rock Your Ugly. And so upon seeing, and he, I, I had already been following up anyway, because obviously I've worked with Walid Shah in the past, because I also do a bit of modeling gigs. Okay. Um, and I knew him from like, what, three, four years back. Uh, we worked on a shoot for Yas Island, I think. Mm -hmm. It was great. He's a nice guy. Even when I had red hair, he was like, I want to shoot you because his favorite color is red. So I was like, oh my God, cool. I've always admired his work. And so when Rock Your Ugly came out, I was like, okay. Because I'm really into, I've always been really into learning about other people's lives because that was another coping mechanism for me to, it was like my, my self-soothing technique as well because I couldn't really afford therapy or it was always something I overlooked as something that I needed because it was so normalized to me that, um, I thought to myself, Khalas, like I'll read about other people's stories if they're going through it and see what I can do. But basically, Rock Your Ugly, um, he came over and did the interview. And then after, right after the interview, right after we got off air, I was like, listen, I want to I wanna talk to you about something. I want to do this thing. He's like, okay, cool, let's do it. And that's how it really took place. I have a question on this, but uh, while you spoke about red hair and uh, men in the past who have uh, treated you wrong, I actually remember this another verse from a poem, which I think is relevant. Oh my God, but I haven't written it down, so I might be butchering it. <laughs> okay. It's by it's I think from the poem Lady Lazarus by Sylvia Plath. And she says, her. Out of the ash, I rise with my red hair and I eat men like air. I uh, love yeah, that. It's so powerful, right? Sylvia Plath. Yeah. I wish Damn I had red hair. Boss. And eat men. <laughs> anyway, back to back to Rocky Ugly. So when you reached out to him, what's your 
what are you thinking at that point because you haven't spoken about this to anyone and then you have to make the switch I've spoken about it with my friends right friends, like yeah. I said always in a joking way so I always I assumed that when I would talk about this with Walid it would be very, I thought it would just be casual like, like how I've always told it maybe a bit more I didn't think that I would be way too vulnerable I actually I even this is shit to say but I even kind of practiced at some point I was like okay I'm only going to be telling him this much right because there's just way like if you think my rock your ugly story was as vulnerable as can be there's just so much more and I think that's with everyone's stories right you'll choose parts of the stories which you you're comfortable sharing and other parts that are that you might not, not even be able to share right because it's not up to you some people or other people are involved in the story but yeah, so I practiced the fuck out of that shit. But then when I got in front of him and he asked me all these questions, it was like bawling out, bawling out. It was like, I don't even know how long that conversation was for. And he was recording everything. So when you read The Rock Your Ag- um, Ugly, it was actually a transcript of the audio recording. And there was just, I think, just one thing that I had him leave out because it's way too sensitive um, to, to share. But everything else, I was just like, fuck it, just go for it. Ever since you opened up to him, I think you've then embarked on this journey of spiritual awakening and healing that nine-year-old inside you that's wanting to Like truly healing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I thought I was already on a spiritual journey a year before that when I was in Bahrain because I went through the same thing. Had my apartment. I was working with Love in Saudi. So I worked remotely from home. (laughs) I worked remotely from home. And that was the first time I ever got my first apartment on my own. You know what I mean? I had my cat. I had the car. I was in my in my hometown and um it was supposed to be the thing that it was my childhood dream that i had now achieved on paper right have my own place have my own car have the dream job and the cat (laughs) (laughs) but um i i felt fucking empty i felt fucking empty um and i thought that would change and i thought there was there were temporary things that i did i gone i went through the spiritual journey of at least accepting why i felt that way and accepting that okay fine so as it turns out achieving your dreams doesn't actually equal to happiness right it's there's some things on the inside and i knew that those things were there but still at this point i did not do the work to fully analyze okay why am i feeling this way why did i accept this shit and that shit how do i change this what do I do moving forward? How do you actually heal? It was just more, I just followed the concrete shit on paper. You know, I, I did the whole meditation, the yoga, and I thought I was doing well, but there was still a block inside me that again came back to haunt me when I returned to Dubai, was working with Love in Dubai, and then got in another relationship. So really the triggers have always been when I'm in a relationship. When I'm alone, I guess it's something that, that's less triggered or something. One of the ways that uh, you've also worked on healing is hypnotherapy. Yes. So what is hypnotherapy? So hypnotherapy, how do I put this um, in a simpler a simpler way? Because I don't want to... You have to dumb it down for I me. I really don't want to... Because I really don't want to fuck up what it is, you know what I mean? But Because I had no idea what the fuck it was going into it. All I know is that my colleague at Love It was like, you know what? Try this person out. JLT office is there. You have no fucking excuses. Just go. This guy's been recommended. He's really great. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, Hypnotherapy is basically, it's kind of like talk therapy, except you're put in a really meditative um, headspace. So you're laying down for an hour or two hours um, and you're put in a really meditative state. 
So kind of like just uh, just how you would do yoga nidra, which is a type of right yoga that you just lay down and you try to obliterate thoughts from your head and you just focus on your breathing. So it's like that, except once you're in that space where you're focused on your breathing and there's nothing else and your body's basically at rest, you try to tap... They, the therapist tries to tap into your subconscious. They do this by bringing you in, by by uttering words that bring you to a certain place in your life, a certain time in your life. And my specific hypnotherapy was um, focused on healing my inner child. You know, I, I, I went out on a whim. I'm like, listen, I don't even know if this is an inner child thing that I need to work on, but I know I need to just talk to someone. So that's what I did. I just went in and he was like, okay, you need fucking inner child healing. Like he knew for off the bat. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, like that, that does sound ideal. You need this many sessions. I'm like, oh my God. Okay, cool. I'm, I was just, I didn't know what to do anymore at this point. So I was just going with it. Are you actually hypnotized at the point? Like, are you in a trance state? Do you have memory of what happened? Or you are... You, you do have memory of what happened. For me personally, <laughs> I don't know if people really get to a point where they're like, oh my God, like fuck, I can't remember what the fuck just took place. I would say I was conscious a lot of the time, but then a lot of the things I was saying surprised me. I, I even surprised myself because they really did come from the subconscious. Like there were certain pivotal moments from my childhood that I had completely put aside and forgotten. And only in those moments where I was asked to face different um, age points of myself and different people in my life in the ages that he mentioned that I get to be put in that position again. So the flushing my, my mom's drugs down the toilet, that was something I completely fucking forgot. But when I was asked, like he, you know, like when I was asked, okay, what was the moment? Like, what's the worst moment that you remember in your childhood? In my conscious state of mind, if someone were to ask me that, during that time at least, that wasn't something that I would have said. I would have said something like, oh, you know, my daddy issues. Like, yeah, it just sucks, I guess, to not know what a, having a dad feels like or having that love from a dad. Ha, ha, ha. You know? Um, but when uh, the moment that those flashbacks came to me of me actually physically, you know, taking the drugs, flushing it down the toilet, and just the mayhem that was going on with my mother and uh, how I was so confused, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I was like, what the fuck? Well, that took me that really took me back so that was the powerful moment for me in hypnotherapy you're kind of role-playing the nine-year-old and that acts as a point you're role-playing yeah, right because because right you're put in the place where there are absolutely no distra distractions and you have to face certain people in your life and you have to talk to yourself so that was the tough part that was the tough part because i couldn't even face let's say eight-year-old me because you really get to visualize right when you're in that like a trance state like that you get to visualize how you looked. I, I saw my eight-year-old self and it was so profound and I couldn't even look eight-year-old me in the eye. And I was asked to say really healing affirmations to the eight-year-old me and to kind of be that older sister-like figure to my younger self. And uh, just thinking about it now, like could make me go into tears. But like, it's just such an emotional, uh, it was just such an emotional time. And I really, truly... I highly suggest for anybody who've ha who've repressed certain things from their childhood to go through it because it's just one more thing lifted off of you once you're done with those sessions. It's incredible. And you need that. You need to be able to look back and accept what was and accept that, like you said, it was really not in your control if things weren't, you know, it didn't go according to what you thought, it, what it should have gone.
you've written a letter to your 15 year old self you wrote this when oh, you wow. were 21 you really dug on on paid interns not me all um, right so now if you were to write that letter again or let's say if you had that time travel machine once again what would you tell 15 year old shireen what advice would you give her 15 year old shireen oh my god i can't remember much from my 15 year old self you like Where tokyo hotel fucking love tokyo hotel still do still a fan uh, still fan oh, i thought you like why did you bring that up cut cut no fucking love tokyo hotel <laughs> what do you mean my scene kid days hell yeah hell yeah That's being bullied for it love that they yeah. say be yourself i yeah. really felt i was myself with my yeah. black eyeliner and dark nail polish and you know but apparently no one no one wants you to be an emo slash scene kid <laughs> Oh really? Oh that wasn't the thing. Oh damn. That wasn't a thing. Imagine. I'm so memo. hurt. No. <laughs> I was even a YouTuber at that point. Wow, I really should have continued with that. Oh. Is that still like public? I really hope not no one search it. No one search it. I don't search it. I will not. I search it. What is it called? Cuz I don't think I ever really deactivated it. Ooh. My my scene kid name was Sherry X Suicide. Don't ask. Don't ask. Well, I know that you've shared it. <laughs> I on, just... on this episode as you have the moment to <laughs> go and hide it. Sherry X Suicide. <laughs> but yeah. What was the question? Uh, the question was oh well, I got yeah, sidetracked. What would you tell 15 year old Shireen? What would I tell 15 year old Shireen? Yeah. 15 year old Shireen. You know what? Keep doing what you're doing. Honestly, you yeah. you're in the right headspace. Um I just wish that you knew. I mean, I, it's hard though to explain to you right now that actually you becoming a journalist or getting all these things that you think the materialistic things that you think will change your life and make you feel better uh, or is the end goal isn't really the end goal you have to have you know you have to have further plans for yourself um and actually do what you really what you're really passionate about but at the same time keep going at the pace that you're at um because that's the only way you'll get to where you are now you know i mean i wouldn't wish for faster healing for 15 year old me i feel like that just would have been way too early on i wouldn't have understood the concept of any of the things that i'm talking about now so i have really no regrets with any fucking thing so just keep going 15 year old shirin do you sis we'll get to you later when you talk about not having any regrets so if let's say you have the time travel machine and you also have the power of changing your past and giving yourself in quotes a normal childhood would you do it I mean sure I mean we the, the the reason that I guess we're so um as a society obsessed with the concept of time travel is because we some of us would wish we could you know change some things a few decisions along the way from our past and sure if I had the option yes but I I I still feel like there was there's a reason that I'm I was put in the place that I was now may that be karmic retribution maybe i did really shitty things in my past life or maybe i was just meant to be put in all these trials and tribu- tribulations so that i could survive whatever next aspects of my future um you know that will come to life but or because of this story because maybe this story will reach out to somebody else someone who's um as young as i was 8 9 years old maybe they're going through it now and they're hearing this cuz no one really talked about this when i was younger especially not in this region so maybe there's more hafis like me who are going through it um and it might make them feel better just like me reading autobiographies of celebrities who have gone to, through traumatic past makes me feel better just like me watching youtube videos of people who have overcome trauma have made me feel better so 
yeah, no regrets will not change a thing is my answer. I find that very powerful because both you and me in agreement that we don't wish this upon anyone and we're yeah. not trying to glorify it. But right. the truth is that it does happen to a lot of people. And yeah. if it does, then the kind of approach you have taken, I think, can serve as a very powerful symbol for what people can do to yeah. get out of it. Exactly. And I think your story, I really appreciate that you've chosen to share the story on this show as well. Thank you. It must be tough talking about it. So as a thank you for you, I have more verses from poems here. <laughs> so Go for it. This one's dedicated to you yeah, specifically. So the first poem is, uh, it's called I Rise by Maya Angelou. And the verse is, out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling a bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bring in the gifts that my ancestors gave. I'm the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise. I rise. I rise. I have another poem, yeah. This I poignant that one that literally like made me almost want to tear up. So poignant. I think yeah, I think it's quite relevant to your life as well. You have risen above all the difficulties that have come your way. I have another poem, yeah. Now that I know your sentiments on your own poems, I'm regretting putting this in, but I guess (laughs) we just put it in. So you know, you know the poet really well. It's you. Uh, this is a poem that was written in a different context, I think, but I thought it was relevant for the moment. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's a poem called Silence by Shreen Ahmed. Oh wow. And the verse is, this room was the birthplace of emotions, of poetic violence and misleading comfort. We loved profoundly but destroyed each other. And so the silence, it filled the room with sounds of freedom, patience and magic. I say goodbye and do not regret it. Wow. Still powerful. Still powerful. Yeah. Oh my God. I was so young when I wrote that. So let's talk about your writing then. Yeah. So when did the love for writing and poetry in particular for you, when did it start? Um, again, I, I would say about around the time of we, we, my mother and I came back from uh, the Philippines to Bahrain at the age of eight. Um, it was what kickstarted it. I read the diary of Anne Frank, right? This, which is why one of my favorite quotes is, is from her. And again, I could, I, I don't know why I just felt like I could relate to her because I was, I was actually such a shy kid. I would have never thought that fucking years later, I'd be here sitting and talking to you or being such a, or to be such a social person. Right. Even I was just so awkward. I didn't know how to talk to people. If my mom came and introduced me to her friends, I'd be the one that's literally, I, I was so closed off like this. Like I was actually so awkward. So I often got lost in in books and in you know disney stories much like other little girls but i enjoyed my own company which is why i i still feel the same now i will go and watch a movie today on my own because i fucking love my own company my god i'm so much fun to hang out with my fucking mind can you know what i mean i don't need anybody but um it's nice too we like their their company okay i'm going (laughs) off topic again um what were some of your favorite books or authors when you were reading oh my god um, like I said, Diary of Anne Frank, yep. um, autobiographies of literally every celebrity. And I was a lot of my childhood. I was really, really hooked onto ancient Egyptian um, books or anything that's to do with archaeology. I was I'm, I am still really passionate about ancient Egypt. I mean, I still e- I even have a tattoo of Nefertiti here. I see, see it on the camera. Oh, are you showing me or the camera? Well, both. There you go. Oh, there you go. For my obsession, and I've been to Egypt like three times now, and my next trip is definitely going to be in Luxor to visit the um, more temples at Karnak and Luxor and all that. So I've really always been fascinated by ancient Egyptian history. If I were to ask you to recommend five books that you think every person should read, 
what would they be? Oh my god. Okay. The Book Thief yeah. by Marcus Dussac. Really good book. Uh fuck. Um The Game of Desire by Shan Boudram is one that I read recently. She's a sexologist expert. Um it's random I know, but I always felt like right I I felt like with my past relationships I had to really rebuild myself to be a better partner for future partners and to be able to identify the kind of qualities that I look for in a partner because I feel like in the past I'm just I've always just been drawn to certain types of men sure. distant men and there's a reason for that and so the game of desire really helps everyone actually cultivate cultivate that to cultivate yourself and to radiate kind of that that intimacy within yourself that works not just for relationships but for you as a person as an individual so game of desire by Shan Boudram book thief oh my god I, why can't I think of any off the off the bat? There's so many though. There's so many. I right now I suggest for people to also if they're into really reading about the same things that I mentioned earlier, like something of a self help or reading someone else's journey through trauma. Demi um, Demi Moore's um, autobiography was really interesting for me. She had a really really rough childhood, and it's just so interesting to see how she's overcome all the adversities that she's faced through that in Hollywood um, up until now. Uh, what else? Why the fuck can't I think of anything? Not to put it under pressure. If something comes to your mind, just keep. I'll just keep. It. I'll keep yeah. it up later. Yeah. Because I was reading. I should have read these books instead of reading Archie's Tintin. Fucking loved Archie's Goosebumps, comics too. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Hardy Boys. Betty and Veronica's Double yeah. Digest. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I collected that shit. I had mountains. I'm telling you, I was such a loner kid. Like I, this was this. I escaped these worlds. I fucking loved Riverdale. But Goosebumps. I think looking back, shouldn't have done Goosebumps. Which one was Goosebumps? You know the scary ones, like the scary have, Archies. Yeah. No, I didn't. Not do. Archies. It was not comics. It was oh, just no, no, like no. those books where like something scary happens. Okay, I wasn't familiar. The with mask that. takes over the person. I can't do yeah. that. I can't do horror. It's good. It's good you didn't, because that was the only book. I don't know why I did that. Along with Harry Potter and all of those Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, Harry Potter, and Nancy Lightning, Drew, yeah, all that stuff. Okay, let's talk about poetry. Yeah. So Robin Williams in the movie Dead Poet Society said that we don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we're members of the human race. And human race is filled with passion, medicine, law, business, engineering. My favorite fucking movie line mm. from Dead Poets yeah. Society. These are noble pursuits necessary to sustain life, but poetry, beauty, romance, love—these are what we stay alive for. Yes. So I'm guessing you agree with this. Obviously, obviously. Does poetry add meaning to your life? Um, big time, big time. I wish I did more of it now. I say this every single time, but I've just been in the last year or so. I've just been so focused on obviously healing and obviously the day to day life, and especially with the pandemic now, you don't really get. I haven't been inspired. If I'll be fully fucking honest, I really haven't been inspired. Or maybe it's because I was so used to the nine to five that I use that as an excuse to avoid poetry. Because see, for me, putting pen to paper. in poetic terms is me acknowledging whatever the fuck it is i'm going through so sometimes i'll avoid that because fuck i i, I don't want to accept that right now as my reality it depends it all depends on my obviously the emotions that i'm currently facing but that does, does yeah it does add value to my life it's it's the closest feeling i'll ever get to magic is when i write uh, and finish a piece of poem You've mentioned in the past that uh, to be a good poet, you have to be in tune with the emotions. So, do you then feel poetry is just like a vessel to convey, getting the words right, but be the essence or your soul, and it's it's just For a way, sure. it's just a way to channelize that. 
for sure but and it's also a way to channel other people's emotions and and just every little detail of the world around you right because it doesn't have to uh, poetry doesn't even have to be emotions focused but if i'm talking about that fucking plant for example i could write it in a way where it would still have the emotion it would convey emotion basically right. without needing a a real kind of human story to it it's just the essence like you said it's the essence of whoever is writing it and i think everyone can be a poet like whether if they gave it, if they just gave it a try obviously everyone can yeah well, can we explore that do you think it's important for every writer to be a poet because it has like this lyrical quality or the musical quality to your writing i mean it depends what kind of a, a writer you're you're you've been and want to be right um i when i start, started uh, studying journalism and media at university i thought i was just going to be um a magazine's feature writer for fashion columns because that seemed ideal i was into fashion as well i'm still into fashion but um now that i think about it no there those those are two completely they're two different things but it would be ideal not not just for writers i think everyone can look to writing um free verse for example um as a creative outlet as a way to express your emotions if you're not a very vulnerable person to other people even so do you think poetry gets harder with age uh, because you mentioned the yeah. past when you were young you could just see the words swimming around pick yes, the ones you like yes. now you feel you get a bit more critical of it removes the fucking essence. critical yeah the mm. more you know right the more you know so obviously with age you just start doubting yourself you're like oh my god fuck is this too instagram poem me like i don't know what to do that's kind of why i stopped being consistent with the Sonder speech which was previously the blonde thief as an extension of the blog because I just felt like fuck okay so and I tend to have this thing where I am my own worst critic so I would compare myself to others I'm just like fuck but is it too cheesy maybe writing too much about this is this like romance and whatever the fuck the topics were that I usually wrote about were just too mainstream in essence so there's a lot of doubts that come into play and that really fucked with um my creativity if you will so i miss that i i miss that uh time when i would actually really just close my eyes and the words would just flow i miss that i feel like now i would just judge each and every word in stanza but i think if you keep practicing again which i haven't done so i have to practice what i preach um you'll eventually get to that point it's happening with your lego there falling sorry. apart yeah sorry about that <laughs> not clearly not great at this stuff <laughs> <laughs> you would think no i think you are you've done like what how many episodes of this building blocks thing 557th this one guys ladies and gentlemen check it out no actually <laughs> <laughs> would you like to hear some poetry jokes okay why not okay let's go i dig you dig we dig he digs she digs they dig it's not a beautiful poem but it's deep I didn't know where it was going at first. I was like, where the fuck is he going with this? Nice one. Do you want more? Sure. I have actually a whole list here. Okay. Okay. What do you call a writer who doesn't follow the rules of sentence structure? What? A rebel without a clause. <laughs> oh my god, wait, that's funny. <laughs> I need it? a shirt in that. Whichever internet rebel without like. a clause. <laughs> Another one? Yeah. What do writers have for breakfast? Me, not me trying to guess it. What do they have for breakfast? <laughs> oh, don't have me. Don't have me. Uh. <laughs> right. Synonym buns. That's bad, right? <laughs> I think it's getting worse with time. I have a final one. Go for it. it Since you you seem very keen. Uh, yeah. Go for it. Well, I didn't make the cut, but now I'm like, well, while we're in the zone, why not? Okay. So this is a long one. So there's a guy who fell in love with two women, couldn't decide what he wanted to do. So he went to a counselor, and the counselor was like, mm, "Okay, why didn't you tell me what the women are like?" 
And the guy's like, um, sir, uh, one of them is a baker. She bakes cakes. And the other one is a poet. And the counselor's like, oh, that's a common problem. You can't decide for better or worse. I'm over it. I'm done. You did your thing. Oh, shit. <laughs> you, you really, you, were you going to do like a bowing moment? Are uh, you proud of yourself for that last one? Ovation, but then the audience clearly didn't like There's it. that one person over there the that's plant. giving it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The mop. The one that you wouldn't write a poem on. That plant. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. I'm having fun. Huh? My I'm jokes. having fun with oh, your yeah. jokes. Yeah, well, yeah, glad no one's pointing a gun to you. Are you having fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm having fun. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about hosting. Yes. You were the former host of the Love and Daily show. Love and Daily and the Love and Show. All right. So, how did you get into hosting? Um, well, I had been working with Love in Dubai for a good three, four years at, the, uh, at this point. After university, uh, Richard, the founder of Love in Dubai, Love in Saudi, and all of that actually found me on internsme.com. I don't know if you're familiar with that website, remember? So I was looking for an internship, obviously, um, and I had done a video resume. And so he responded to that shit, and he was like, you know what, calm the fuck through. I'm like, okay, lit. That's um, what he said, exactly. Yeah, he just said that word for word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went, um, and interestingly enough, literally on the first day of the internship, he's like, okay, write an article, and we'll publish it. I was like, excuse me. <laughs> What do you mean? And that's one of the best lessons I've learned from Rich and working with Love in Dubai ever since is that, you know, you just have to fucking do it. Just get it done. Just try because you'll never know. And that was the same way I got into hosting because I worked with them after the internship. It was a it was a part time position. Um, and then it turned to a full time job when he wanted to set up Love in Saudi. So I set it up for the first year all on my own. We wanted to obviously tap into the English market there. That was great. Um, and I worked remotely from Bahrain. And then he said, come to Dubai, where, where, where I worked for Love in Dubai. And then they were like, oh, you're not just going to write this time. Obviously, you know that, right? You stupid bitch. No, I'm kidding. They didn't say that. Um, you're not just going <laughs> to... No, I'm kidding. He's going to hate me. No, you're not just going to write this time. You have to host. There's going to be a couple of shows. I was like, excuse me, what do you mean? I can't talk in front of a... Like, I can't talk in front of the camera. I've never done that. What do you mean? I need, I need training. I need this. He's like, no, just do it. So I did it and I've, I guess I've, I'm even more comfortable being in front of the camera now that I am fucking writing articles, which is insane. I never thought that would, I, I would ever say that. Because like I said, I'm really awkward and shy. Usually. Did you remember the first day you were in front of the camera? Yes, or? I stumbled, mumbled, uh, stuttered, yeah. almost cried. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was one time I think I, I, I said the S word. On a, on a live stream and we had to take it down immediately and edit it because I got way too comfortable. Um, so lots of blunders yeah, here shit? and there. Is yeah, I said oh, shit. That's... I said shit. Wow. Oh, but that was, oh, also, that was also <laughs> during Ramadan. So can you imagine how bad? Oh, I'm yeah. out here like talking about the kindness and the good deeds going around in, during Ramadan in Dubai and then I accidentally say shit on a live. And one of the viewers was actually like, haha, I heard that. I'm like, fuck. Oh, damn. So we had to take it down what is your favorite memory, favorite guest? Uh, one memory that sticks out to you. Oh, so many guests. You know, funnily enough, I was actually re-watching some of my interviews last night for some fucking odd reason. And um, I remember the the interview with Ricardo and Nadine. So Nadine uh, Dutrois is um, the lady, the inspiring woman behind Glory Girl Fit. So she was for the longest time an Instagram page, but now... And in the last kind of couple of years, she's ventured more into like, you know, obviously spiritual content, self-awareness journeys, like being aware of like just the society we live in and living a minimalistic lifestyle, which is something that I'm 
really I've really been curious about and really wanting to adopt in my life so when I had her and her at the time fiance come to the show it was the best thing ever I mean I think I kept the show was meant to be like 30 40 minutes long but I just had I it was like meeting my idol in person you know what I mean so I just was not only starstruck but so inspired I think at some point I even fucking cried to her because off camera there was something that went down um she said something and I was like how could you think that about yourself when I look up to you so much and I literally shed a tear fucking telling her how amazing and she is. So she was like, oh my God. And we've been kind of talking on Instagram ever since. So she's, I'd say, I'd say one of my favorite guests because I just love having human to human conversations, you know, heart to heart conversations. I just feel like there was just no fucking filter with, with Nadine. And, and I, I love that about her. She, her personality really shines through her motives, her morals, and just how simple it is for her is like something I aspire. So now you've gone into hosting. This is not something you ever thought you would do. Never. Uh, you're a writer, poet. Uh, you're a model, uh, content creator as well. You do many things. And you've always advocated for doing many things. Yes. I completely resonate with that. Uh, but I always struggle with this one question, which is to be truly great at something, you have to be obsessed with that one thing. And it's like Michael Jordan and Michael Selves. They do that one thing 12 hours a day. All musicians, actors, directors. Same though. I, yeah. I still think about that. I, I am also a huge advocate for obviously being a gene of all trades because at a time like this I couldn't have solely relied on just writing to to make ends meet you know after having lost my job with the pandemic so it really helped that I had all these other skills to fall back into and I think that goes back into my mother's street street smartness of you do whatever the fuck you can to to survive right not all of us have the privilege of being able to focus on that one thing we're passionate about we don't because if we did i would be a fucking egyptologist by now right if i had the money to, to study history and to study french and arabic and not have to worry about making a living right after university and dig shit up in egypt um i would have gone that route I've always loved writing still. I would have written maybe for fun, just for a passion. And of, of all my travels, like I'm, you know, fucking Paulo Coelho. But um, but um, I couldn't do that, right? So that's why it's, it's a bit of a, a mixed situation with it's me. It's a gamble, right? It's a gamble. Okay. So before we move on to our final series of questions, I'd love for you to interpret what we have built with the Lego here. <laughs> Mine keeps falling um, apart. So let's start with yours, which... Not in a stable position at this point. It's not. It really um, was earlier. I don't know what's going on. Oh, no. What do you think this is, though? I was actually really trying to copy that one building in freaking Palm Jumeirah. That that new one that they're building. Was it the second? It's not Five Palms, but it's one of the buildings there. I can't remember the name. Well, guys, figure it out. This figure is, it out. This Google it. As you, as you used to I thought you were building now. a unicorn, but uh, clearly... <laughs> Listen, if it looks like a unicorn to you, I'll take that. I mean, I, it would when <laughs> once completed. <laughs> Over here, it could be a, like a gun of sorts. A cute pink yeah, Barbie yeah, cute gun. gun. Yeah, why not? What about what you? Do you? What do you think this is? Giving me... Boat? Is it a boat? I don't know what the fuck that is. I wasn't actively building anything, but... Um, were you not? No, you were. And then you came up with that? <laughs> I, I, I had an idea at some point. Yeah, imagine. Man, I, was, I was like, you know what? Fuck, I'm going to try to yeah, copy that stupid building. It's not stupid. It's an amazing building. But um, yeah, it didn't work out. What are the buildings from Atlantis? Uh, the tall Is one? Is it the second? Yeah, I think it's the second Atlantis. Because it's shaped really... It, there are it, two it's kinda, of them? There's a new one that was being built, no? There's, what? 
They didn't inform said, me. I'm not going to say that. Uh, don't take my word they for it. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm going to Google it. They didn't inform him. Yeah, clearly. We'll ask his interns to yeah. uh, confirm this later. No one got it. What is this? I don't know. Oh, I put what an I as well. I don't know. What do you think? Tough stuff, huh? So tough. So oh, fucking tough. Oh, I but I mean, at least you actually, you know, use uh, oh, all I the other. It. This is a cooking, like a kitchen counter, bro. Oh, wait, cute. And the cooking the range. stove. Yeah, the stove and the tap and vessels, whatever that is. Yeah, whatever you can you can see you can see it somewhere. Right, I guess. Fuck. See, you've had plenty practice. Good for you. Yes. You know, I'm trying to make sense of the nonsense. <laughs> okay, so Good let's move you. on to our final stage of questions. Woo! You mentioned a uh, lot of authors, a lot of books. You mentioned your mother, who's been a strong source of inspiration. If I can ask you to um, point out any other books, movies, people that have been positive influences in your life. Um, okay, definitely positive influences. Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey, I, I can't ever deny Oprah Winfrey has been such a fucking good source of inspiration. And Frank, I've mentioned this to you before. Um, who else? I watch the Red Table talk a lot. Anything where you get to, like I said, you know, listen to other people's human stories. Hala Kadhim in the UAE in particular is a very inspiring woman. She's the mother of Anas Bukash of AB Talks. I'm not sure if you're, you've watched any of his things. You should look into it. Really great, really great interviews. Um, but yeah, just human stories. Human stories. These are the everyday people around me. Um, these are the people that inspire me. People who have really overcome a lot of things and still come out kind of on top. What would you like your legacy to be like? Just that I've maybe helped someone um, feel a little less alone. That's it, as simply put. Feel a little less alone. That's a great legacy. That's it. Final question. What do you think is the meaning of life? I feel like this is this depends on perspective, right? This change this can change from person to person, obviously, and at, at it can change also at different parts of your life. But again, simply put, since I've had a lot of thinking about the meaning of life, I've come to the conclusion that we're all obviously just souls placed on this physical physical form to experience whatever the fuck it is life has to offer whether, whether that's the good the bad the ugly whatever it is just you're just you're in on this planet you live it you question what you want to question you love whoever you want to love you will hurt some people along the way you learn from it maybe not you'll witness things that maybe other planets can't even witness if there is life on you know on other planets but at the end of the day that's just it just you just be you're put on this life is just being that's it just be to wrap up i have a final verse from a poem here and um, i know your favorite poem is the road not taken by robert frost yes so that didn't make the cut let's just say it was a strong <laughs> second um i picked the poem if by rudyard kipling and the verse is uh if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you if all men count with you, but not too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. When in your case, you'll be a woman, my daughter. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Not me. <laughs> I'll send Mr. Kipling an email about this. <laughs> Just, you need to make a female version about this. 
But Shreem, thank you so much for coming thank on the show. Thank you. If people want to find you in person or online, where can they find you? Shireen Ahmed on Instagram. For some reason, it's sometimes Sherry Smith on TikTok. Right now, it's Bint Mary, though. It might change. But all of these, um, you can find links to all my other profiles on my Instagram platform under the link tree in my bio. Perfect. So, we'll add yeah. the links in the episode as well. Thank Shireen, you. thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking Thank to you. you. Pleasure's all mine.